Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. Now, we did finish verse 10 last week, but I'm sorry, I have to go back to verse 8 to lead us back into verse 11, okay? <laughs> um, because there is something very significant that is going on in this chapter, and that is the Apostle John is contrasting two families. He is talking to us not only about the family of God, but he's also talking to us about the family of the devil as well. And we need to know that that's what he's doing. Otherwise, and you know, I was talking to somebody about this before, you can take these verses and put Christians into condemnation. And the saddest thing about that is that this was the apostle of love. This was the furthest thing from his mind and his heart when he wrote this. This was, this was written as a warning to us. It was written as an encouragement to us. So in order for us to get all of our minds going in the same direction, let's begin in verse 8, because he, he makes a clear distinction here. He says, he that commits sin, now remember again that this sin, I'm pausing because it's important you get this, this sin is the sin of rebellion. This is not you kicking the cat. Everybody say amen. This is talking about the, the, the sin of rebellion. And remember again, we talked about this sin as being the kind of sin that the devil committed against God. Are you all here? Amen. All right. So he says, so in that context, he says, he that commits sin is of the devil. Now you understand why he says that. Because he's saying you're acting like the devil. You're not acting like a person that's making a lot of mistakes. That's different. There's 1 John 1 9 for that. He's saying you're acting like the devil who came against, uh, came against God. You all see what I'm saying now? Amen? And so that's why he says, he that commits sin is of the devil. And he's talking about this, that specific sin. For the devil sinned from the beginning. And then he says in verse 8, the latter half of it, he says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to destroy you. Amen? So you understand something very specific is going on here. The Apostle John is saying, listen, I'm talking to you about original sin. I'm talking to you about the family of the devil, the children of the devil specifically, and I'm talking about the children of God. That's why he says, behold, now are we the children of God in, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Remember that? Amen. He made the, see, he didn't just say that for, you know, just for the heck of it. And then I'm going to depress you all after that. Okay. He was saying that to establish the fact that you are God's children. And he's saying to you, you are, you're not the ones committing this, but you need to stay away from those that are committing this because they are dangerous to your faith. Because their rebellion is against God himself. See, they come in very subtle ways. They're the ones that come and say, well, you know, that stuff doesn't work. You know, the intellects. Well, we found that there's, there's all these problems with the Bible or whatever. And they can just cut the knees out right out from under you. And you just think, oh, what am I standing on? <laughs> okay. Is this stuff right? Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? That's a rebellion we're talking about. We're not talking about the guy that, you know, is out there and he's doing, I could mention things that I don't want to catch anybody in that net, doing bad things. That's different. This is somebody that attacks God himself, attacks the word itself, attacks your belief. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what the Apostle John is saying. You know, you need to be careful of these people. These people, no matter how nice they are, they are of the devil. They are committing the devil's sin now. 
Are you all with me? Amen? And he said again, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, look at verse 9. He says, whosoever is born of God, watch this, he says, does not commit sin. Now, hang on a second. If that was the case, he just lied because he just said in 1 John 1, 9, if we commit sin. Now, how can he say this and say that? See, this is where people take this and say, well, there's a contradiction. And again, I'm bringing this out because as I'm moving to verse 11, you'll understand why, okay? <laughs> you, you need to see this clear distinction, all right? He says here, so he's talking about this sin of rebellion. And he's saying, listen, whoever is born of God cannot commit this sin, okay? And it says, for his seed remains in him. We're going to look at a verse that will actually explain that today. And he says, and they cannot sin because they're born of God. Are you seeing this? All right, he, he didn't say... You know, it's difficult for them. He said they cannot make, they cannot commit this sin because they are born of God. You are these people. Say, I'm a child of God. Okay. All right. Just in case you, all right. Here comes verse 10. He says, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. See that? Okay. So he's saying, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, Christians that are backsliding. I'm talking about children of the devil and children of God. I'm not talking about a Christian that's having all kinds of difficulty loving people and all that stuff, which we're going to talk about today. Okay, I'm talking about one that is in rebellion against God. And he's saying, these people are children of the devil. All right? And then there are you, children of God. Now, you may be carnal. Hello. (laughs) Okay, remember the Apostle Paul talks about carnal Christians? You people are... No, anyway, okay? I mean, they they, they sin worse than the unbelievers. He says, there are things that I can't even speak. And you know, Paul was, yeah, okay. He wasn't some religious dude. He knew stuff. Amen. And for him to say he can't even speak of it, it must be that, you know, there are things that you can't even speak. You go red in the face. And he was talking about Christians. See, now we look at that and we immediately apply these verses and say, you're of the devil. But the apostle John isn't doing that. Please understand this. He's saying, no, no, no. Those are backslidden Christians. Those are, you know, like dad calls them submarine Christians. You know, they come up once a week, whatever. Those are those sort of, they're still Christians, but they're still children of God. These ones are not. Are you all here? So what, now what he's going to do is this. Let me continue into verse 10 because now it, it forms a bridge into verse 11 and the next section. He says, in this the children of God are manifest. I mean, First John 3.10. And the children of the devil. Now he says, whosoever does not righteousness is not of God. Neither. So he says, listen, here's one thing that, that identifies them as children of the devil. Here's another. He says, neither they that love not their brother or their sister. Now this love is the love of God. So something very interesting here, let me just sort of bring you into this now. He has just finished discussing the fact that as a Christian, you cannot commit this crime of rebellion against God. It is an impossibility. You can do a lot of other things, but you can't do this, okay? However, now he's going to do this. He's going to say, just as much as you cannot commit this sin, he's going to now come to the other side and say, they cannot love like this. So the children of God cannot commit the sin of rebellion. The children of devil cannot love like God. Are you all with me? So this now brings us to verse 11. He says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. I thank God he said we should. 
because we don't always. <laughs> okay? And he said we really should. As the children of God, this should be our distinguishing feature. Uh, people in, of other religions, okay, they have made this one statement. They said there's something about Christianity. The one defining char- characteristic about Christianity is love. Notice again, he says from, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning. The, so in other words, he's saying from the very beginning of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, love has always been a central theme and a key component. Amen. And the reason again for this is very simple. It's because first John four verses eight and 16 tell us that God is love. When we get to them, we'll look at them in great detail. All right. That's why Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 13 and verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Now, people have read this and said, yeah, brother, but we had the commandment of love a long time ago. Why is it a new commandment? Just hang on to your horses. Here's the new part. He says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. See, they all knew we need to love, okay? And they were like, yeah, all right, we'll love you. Okay? And he says, no, hang on a second. You know what? Let me give you a standard to live by. <laughs> Jesus does it. You go, oh, dear God, here it comes. All right, he says, I'm going to tell you how to keep this commandment. Here's the new commandment. Love the way I love. In fact, this commandment was so important. Jesus repeats it in John 15 and verse 12 with a little change. He says, this is my commandment. So no longer is just a new commandment. He says, this is my commandment. When you see the word my, it's capital M. He is, he is speaking as God now. And he's saying, I'm giving. You know, you know what this is reflection of? Just the way they got the Ten Commandments. Not, not the Mel Brooks version, you know. And Moses came down with 15 and he dropped five. And he, got, he was about to say, I've got this 15... Ten commandments. <laughs> okay. No, no. All right. <laughs> Trying to wake you guys up a little here. Okay. <laughs> no, it was ten commandments. Just the way that God gave ten commandments, He is now giving another commandment. He says again, This is my command, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay? So he's saying again, This is how I want you to love. So this is going to be another attribute that is going to truly distinguish the children of God from the children of the devil. This is still the, the, the theme, the ongoing theme. In addition, of course, to the sin of re- not committing the sin of rebellion. All right. Let's talk about the kind of love this is, where Jesus says that we are to love God and, lo- uh, and love our neighbors with. This is in Matthew chapter 22. So if you want to go there quickly, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Remember again that this is after, I know you know these verses, but it's good to read them again, okay? <laughs> all right. We can never get enough of the Word of God, all right? Amen. This is after the lawyer tried to trick him, remember that? And he said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? See, the trick was this. If he chose any one commandment over another, he would then say, oh, so you're telling us that we can break these other nine as long as we keep this one. And in doing that, then he would, he would put himself in a place where people can point to him and say, he doesn't believe all the law. But remember, he said, I came to keep all the law, every jot, every tittle. Remember that? Okay, so on the mount. Okay. But, so he's very clever. He knows what's going on. So <laughs> he does this. He answered in, in verse 37 and he says, first of all, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the love of God. This is how the love of God works. It's all of your heart. You don't partially, okay, love? Not with half a heart, half a mind? 
and half a soul. I don't know how you do that, but okay, all right. It says with all of your heart. Amen. All of your soul, all of your mind. It's just all of everything. And then he says, this is the first and great commandment. Amen. So he says, listen, you do this one first and everything else will work. But then he goes on to say, and the second is like it. And again, we're talking about the God kind of love here. He says, the second is like it. You shall love. Again, that's the word. Your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he's, and you know, I I said this before. Keep it in the right order. Sometimes people love people more than God. And they do that because they want favors from people. And then when people don't respond in like, then they get mad. Why are you getting mad? I thought there were no strings attached. Well, maybe there was a little one attached. Okay, okay, listen family, if you love God first, then you make him responsible to bless you. Whatever you do, if you do, as it, do it as unto him, then he becomes responsible. And even if somebody that you are helping out just totally forgets you, God won't. God will bless you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's why Jesus said, do this first. Put God first in everything that you do. See, it's not just a religious thing. It's to protect you. It's to protect your heart. Amen. So you don't become hard-hearted. I know so many people that have done, you know, that, that have been generous, loving, giving, being taken advantage of. And now they close themselves off and they don't want anything to do with anybody. And it's really sad. That's why, you, listen, if you love God first, that will never be an issue. Because I guarantee you, God will bless you. God will look after you. And if people around you don't look after you, he'll find somebody else to come along and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, <laughs> just throwing that one in there. So here again, <laughs> we see the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. It is wholehearted. Amen? All right. Now, so this again is what will set the children of God, apart from the children of the devil. Okay, I'm talking about drawing a dividing line between the children of God and the children of the devil and how you can tell them apart. Amen. In fact, in his commentary on 1 John 3.11, William MacDonald says that love is not used in the sense of friendliness or mere human affection, but it is divine love. It is loving others as Christ loved us. And this cannot be done in one's own personal strength, but only as empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, you need to understand, in order to walk in this supernatural love, you really need to have God flowing and working through you. Okay, because I know a lot of people that try to walk in this kind of love in the flesh, it is very hard and it will put you in condemnation. Can I please ask you right now, don't do that? Don't go and say, now I've got to try to love people. It's not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay? If, if that's what you're getting from this message, turn it off. Right now. Okay? <laughs> I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying there is something in you that you need to let out. You don't have to make yourself do something. Do you, let me give you an example. Have you ever gone past, uh, say an apple tree or orange? We've got oranges here. An orange tree. Have you ever gone past it and you hear it? And you're thinking, strange tree, making noises. And you, for some reason, you can have a conversation with this tree. Okay? And, well, Jesus spoke to trees. Anyway, <laughs> except they died. Anyway, so you, you say, what's up, tree? And he goes, mm, what's, what's happening? I am trying to produce an orange. And you're thinking, what a stupid tree. Listen, just sit there and grow. One will come out. 
Just, just keep doing what you're doing, you know? Keep doing what you're doing. One will pop out. Give it a minute. Amen. The same way love is in there. It is a fruit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Let it come out. I think sometimes we get in the way of what's in there by us trying to do things in the flesh. Are you all here? So I'm just saying, just sit back, relax, and let it come. And it will come like a flood. Because where there is peace, when you are still and know that He is God, then He will start to manifest as God in your life. Amen? And so will come this love as well. All right, let's continue on. We get an idea of what this love is and does in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. I did this before, I want to do it again. I really, I want to show it. <laughs> a lot of people have got the wrong idea about God. Remember in 1 John 4, 8 and 16, it says God is love. Can we all agree on that? So can I please, would you allow me to do something? Would you allow me to read this passage in two different ways? Would you allow me to change the word love to God? Because God is love. Okay? And I want you to see how God sees you. Because if you don't see this, then you're going to keep thinking that everything that is being said here is about you. And every time you make a mistake, he's just going to jump down your throat. And I've been saying to you, he won't. Are you ready? All right. God suffers long and is kind toward you. God does not envy. He doesn't ever think you're just getting a little bit too, you know, smart for your boots. God does not parade himself, is not puffed up. He doesn't do like what some preachers do. Well, I am God Almighty, and you better worship me, or else. And you have some silly preacher going, you know, God is a very jealous God. You have to be, okay? You know, you hear that, turn it off. He's off somewhere else with the fairies. Listen, here it is. Let's keep going. People hear that stuff, don't want anything to do with God. I don't either. Not their God. The real one, yes, but not theirs. Okay? Notice the next thing it says. Verse 5, he says, He does not behave rudely, does not seek his own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. A lot of people say, well, God needs your worship. Why? He's got angels that can worship a lot better than you up there. Do you know he's got seraphim and cherubim? He's got cherubim on the ground that worship him night and day. He's got seraphim, that's his air force. They're, okay, they're red, they're fiery, they got wings above him that worship him all day. You know, we got the 20, read, read revelations. There are 24 elders and they're worshiping all the time. I mean, there's a lot of worship going up there. He doesn't need anything from you. So some little person gets up and says, God needs your worship. It's just, again, turn him off. He loves your worship, doesn't need it. Hear me? Amen? Okay. He does not seek his own. Verse 6. He does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. He doesn't sit there and when you... Okay? He says, now don't do that. You know it's going to be bad. You do it. You get in trouble. He goes, aha! I told you not to do it. He doesn't rejoice in iniquity. But he rejoices in the truth. Amen? Amen? Okay. Verse 7. I love this verse. He bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. My goodness, they're just incredible things. First of all, he bears all things. You know, when you come for the 670 millionth time doing the same thing, 
that anybody has done it that many times, which is why I picked such a ridiculous number. Okay? <laughs> and go, God, forgive me. He, he doesn't go, you know what? That's enough. I've had it with you people. I'm finding another planet. See you <laughs> Okay? He won't do that. He bears all things. But notice he also believes all things. So when you lose faith in yourself, he still has faith in you. Amen. Don't ever think it's God that's ever putting you down. Don't ever think that voice that says, you know, because you did all these bad things, you know you're paying the price for it now. It's not God. Because He's always hoping for the best for you, and He'll always encourage you. How do I know this? Because it says, He believes all things, He hopes all things. He's always believing you to do better. Amen. Do you know if He didn't believe for you to do better, you wouldn't have a chance? Can you imagine what would happen? Think about this now. What would happen if God lost faith in you? Gurgle, 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 gurgle. <laughs> okay? That's somebody drowning. Okay? You'd be gone, man. Listen, as, far, as long as God has hope in you that you're going to turn around, there's always power available to you. All you have to do is reach out and receive it. Amen? All right. Let's continue. I'm taking too long here. And, he, and I love this verse 8. Listen, God never fails. See how that works? Okay. Because he is this way. He will never fail. Hallelujah. Now let's turn this around and give it to you in the human version. (laughs) Okay. God never asks you to do something. Listen, please. That he is not willing to do himself first. And because the reason I read all of this is because this is who lives in you. If you let this out, if you just allow, how do you let it out? I'm just getting this in my, in my heart and mind right now. Somebody's going, okay, pastor, how do you let this out? You're telling me to let it out. How do I do it? Listen, you need to just think about God for a minute. You are dealing with a difficult situation. Just say, all right, Lord, how would you deal with this? And not in a dumb way, okay? Remember, he said to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. So we're not stupid in this. And we're not trying to go out there and love everybody and hug trees and everything, okay? <laughs> we are, if there is somebody that's doing the wrong thing by you, I've always said this, love them at a distance. But whatever you do, don't ever walk away in strife, always in love. Do you hear me? The reason that you need to be in love is because love is what, it, it keeps your heart protected and allows your heart to move mountains. Let me get back to something I was saying before, was that God, if you allow him out, he will show you how to love someone. And he will show you how to stay away from them as well in love. And if they ever change, then if the door is always open. If they ever apologize, you just say, not a problem. And you can move on straight from that point rather than saying, well, I don't know if I want to forgive you. And yet now you're sinning. Amen. That's why I said, you know, this is not about being silly and just loving everybody and calling your worst enemy up and they get to abuse you again. It's not, that, it's not what that's all, this is talking about. This is about saying, God, I forgive him, I love him, and if they ever want to make contact with me, I'll always be there, and I'll be good to them. Amen. I've done my part, it's their turn now. Ball's in their court. Amen? Okay. So, this is how you handle this. You suffer long, and you are kind. Oh. I, was, uh, I was always thinking, God, how come you talk with the suffering first? Because he said that's, that's what happened to the human race when it fell. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Don't ever parade yourself. Never st- walk around in pride. Amen? Does not behave rudely. Does not seek his own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Always, you know, Philippians 4.8. 
He always says, think on these things, whatsoever is good, lovely, good report, all that good stuff. That's how love is. It always thinks the best. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Like I said before, you know, if somebody, if one of your enemies falls, don't rejoice. Amen. You just pray for them and say, God, I hope they see the error of their ways. It's one of the greatest prayers that you can pray. Don't pray that God just bless them because he can't bless them in spite of their sin. Did you just get that? Please get this. When you're praying for people, doing the wrong thing, you pray that the eyes of their understanding are open. Amen. Because they need to repent. Only then can the blessing of God come into their life. All right. And notice it says here, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You walk in love and you will never fail. You allow God to come through with all of this in mind and He will bless you. Amen? Amen. See, you can't, I've said this before. If you want to be blessed by God who is love, then you need to walk in love in order to be walking with Him in order for Him to be able to bless you. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Okay. All right, and because of the magnitude and supernatural nature of this love, it is something that just cannot be faked. In his commentary, John MacArthur, remember again, this is what the children of the devil can't do this, by the way, okay? In his commentary, John MacArthur says that this love is not merely an optional duty for someone claiming to be a Christian, but proof positive that a person truly has been born again. See, it is positive proof that you are a new creation. You walking in this love. Amen? That's actually brought out in 1 Peter. I told you we'd look at a verse regarding this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, and then I'll read through to verse 23. It says here, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, everybody goes, I don't know what he just said. So <laughs> let me give you the new Revised Standard Version. He says, Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that, that's the word of God. So that you have genuine mutual love. We all understood that, right? Okay. Because you are born again. Now you've got this kind of love. He says, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. In other words, he's saying, listen, something happened, has happened to you. You have been born of incorruptible seed. Therefore, what is in you now has the ability to love like God loves. This is not about something natural. I said to you, I said this before. This is about something supernatural that is inside of you. Amen? And that you just need it. You'll be surprised at the way that if you allow God to come through, the way that He'll help you see people in a different light so you can love them. Amen? I've experienced this so many different ways. You know, sometimes, sometimes we're mad with an idea of something rather than the person themselves. And sometimes God will just bring that person in a way that only He can into your, into your consciousness. And you look at them and suddenly you'll go, Oh, I'm sorry, God. I didn't realize. You all hear me? That's supernatural. That's how God helps. All right. As to where to start, I'm almost done. Okay. I, Howard Marshall, in his commentary, helps us out by saying there, although the Apostle John speaks of one another, it is primarily love of one's Christian brothers which he has in mind. This is where Christian love must start. In other words, he's saying, listen, don't go try to, you know, love the world's greatest sinner out there that's just horrible and mean and, and some of the Christians can be that way. But anyway, okay, just go, don't look for somebody like that. Start in the house of God. 
you know, here. Okay, not, nobody's too mean around here. I hope. Nobody's mean, are they? Okay, they're all sweet. They're all nice people. Okay, you can. <laughs> I'm just saying, start somewhere safe and work up from there. I think that's great advice. And as you get better at it, then you can extend out more and more. Amen? And, you know, that, that's what's brought out actually in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, when the Apostle Paul says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. In, in other words, he's saying, listen, think sweetly, think kindly about people around you. Amen? And he's saying, be kind to each other. You know, kindness is not just a feeling, it's a, it's a deed as well. Amen. So that you don't, you know, we're going to be looking at this, by the way. The Apostle John is going to say, hey, listen, it's if you see somebody that's in need and you can help, help. If you can't help, pray. That's my part. (laughs) Okay? Because some days, you know, the need is too big for us to do anything about. But we can still pray that somebody who has the provision can come or bring it to them. Amen? Get it to them somehow. Hallelujah. Returning to first, uh, first John 3.11, we're bringing this to a conclusion. When the Apostle John again says we should love one another, John MacArthur says that John elaborates on the love life of genuine believers. For those who are truly born again, love is an indispensable characteristic. The new nature or seed that God imparts not only exhibits, that's what we saw in uh, First Peter, not only exhibits holiness but also love as a habitual characteristic. Those who practice love give proof of the new birth. That's how people look at you and say, you're a child of God. Amen? They may be annoyed by it, but (laughs) okay. Now, what we're going to do next week is we're going to move to verse 12. All right? We're going to see the exact opposite of this. Let me just read that verse to you, introduce it, and we'll pick it up next week. He says, not as Cain, who was the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. You know what's really interesting about this? They both gave offerings to God. They both seemed to worship God in the same way. But one tells us, and I have heard some ridiculous things about this. I won't go into it today. But it wasn't because he, took, he was of the fruit of the ground and Abel brought you know, a lamb and everything. Somebody preached that. I was like, it's not true. This tells us what the problem was. Where does, God, where does God look? On the heart. It doesn't matter what you bring to him. Remember the little drummer boy? That's all I have, you know, <laughs> okay? Religious people do silly things. Don't listen to them, okay? God looks on your heart. Whatever's on your, in your heart, regardless of what's in your hand, what's in your heart is what matters. Amen? Whether it's fruit from the ground or whether it's, you know, some, it's, a, it's a live little lamb or whatever, he doesn't care. It's how you bring it to him. And what this tells us, that Cain was evil, trying to worship God. Abel wasn't. And we're going to look at that. Remember again, we're looking at the children of God versus the children of the devil. And we'll continue that next week in this verse. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Father, for this clear distinction.